Hey, Steve Dace here with a post-NFL draft edition of Roar Rant. How did the Detroit Lions do? Is the team better coming out of the draft than it was going in? And what does it mean for the future? Let's break it down. First, before we get into the individual picks the Lions made and pronounce a final verdict, let's look at what I think are some main points just kind of about the draft overall that I think has been lost on a lot of the analysis that I have seen and listened to where the Lions are concerned, both within Detroit Lions media and national media. Number one, this was a historically weak draft. And that's going to lead to greater variance on teams' draft boards. What do I mean by historically weak? Well, McKyper Jr. said it's one of the weakest drafts he had seen in many years. Todd McShay said that uh, he had rated maybe 20, 25 guys at the most with first-round grades in the entire draft. And since there were 31 first-round draft picks, that meant there were going to be a lot of kids picked that weren't first-round picks most years. The Cowboys reportedly only had 11 players in the entire draft with first-round grades. So this was not a deep draft. This was not a draft of a lot of blue chip players. I think it's pretty obvious that the Lions, Brad Holmes, intended to draft uh, the defensive back, uh, Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois. And then when he went surprisingly to the Seahawks at five, I don't think it's any coincidence. You saw the Lions trade out right after that. So this idea of trade down for more value, use all these picks and everything, it's, it just was not a good draft. It was really the exact opposite of last year, where the quarterback class was actually promising, but the draft as a whole was not. Last year's draft was pretty deep, but the quarterback class was not promising. So um, this was really now about identifying guys because the over, of the overall weakness of this draft. This was really about identifying identifying guys that you like that could fit into your system, your culture, your program, and upgrade your team. And I think that throws a lot of your mock drafts and, and where guys were ranked and everything else kind of out the window because this was a pretty watered-down draft overall. Second point I think I want to make here is a lot of the players that folks are saying Detroit should have taken instead – had medical issues, Sayaka Ika, for example, uh, the the uh, nose guard at, uh, at Baylor, uh, Darnell Washington, the tight end at Georgia. A lot of these guys, and I just rarely see this brought up in media when they're talked about, a lot of these guys had medical issues. Then you look at Jalen Carter. Now, I would have picked Jalen Carter and gambled on it, but I don't blame the Lions at all after what happened with Jamison Williams and the gambling thing for saying, yeah, I just don't think we're ready to absorb that into our culture quite yet. We're not quite there yet from a maturity standpoint. So when you stop and think about it, everybody thought he was the best player in the draft and nine teams passed on him. And the Eagles only had to give up a fifth round pick to trade up and get him. And, and that's probably the only team that can say safely, if it doesn't work here, it wasn't going to work anywhere. A lot of his teammates are in Philly. They don't need him to play right away with how strong that team is. So there were character concerns with a lot of those guys. And then you look at some of the guys that I thought you know, that people are saying, well, the Lions should have picked Kalijah Kansi. Now, I liked Kalijah Kansi. I'd have been fine picking him. But, you know, if you're concerned that picking Jack Campbell as an off-the-ball linebacker, he's only going to play two downs every series – well, so is Kalijah Kansi, guys. He's a 281-pound defensive tackle. He's not playing three downs in the NFL. He's largely a situational player. Probably not even playing two, actually. Um, he's probably coming in at least as a rookie anyway and just coming in in pass rushing situations. You can't have a 280-pound defensive tackle in the NFL. That guy's getting run over. So I, I think these are points. I mean, I won't name one particular Lions podcast that I listened to that just kept advocating for Detroit. I, I wondered, did the guy actually do homework on the draft? Just kept advocating for the Lions to pick guys that had 
character concerns, had medical issues, um, and and were also themselves situational players. So, you know, it, it's okay to maybe do some of your own homework and some of your own research before you do one of these. Number three uh, on the points I want to make. Going into the draft, if I would have told you that these would be Detroit's top five picks, Jamar, Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell, Sam Laporta, Brian Branch, and Hendon Hooker, most Lions fans would have been pleased. Let's just reverse the order. Now, I, I, you know, I was pretty blunt in criticism of a lot of Detroit Lions podcasts and media that I listen to. In this, in this case, though, I think they've gotten this one right. A, a lot of them have also made this point, and I think it's a very good one. I mean, if the draft would have started with Brian Branch picked at number 12, and then maybe you take Jameer Gibbs at 18, or maybe even take Hendon Hooker at 18, and then you get the other guys in the second round, everybody thought, what a great draft. Well, I mean, as long as you got the right players, who gives a rip about positional value? Because again, it goes back to, there weren't a lot of options here. There weren't a lot of places to trade, to go. The, Lion, the, the draft's deepest position was corner. The Lions have seven of them on their roster. They didn't really need one. I mean, if you wanted them to draft Devon Witherspoon, he wasn't going to even start this year. You were drafting him to redshirt for next year. So, um, uh, it, there weren't a lot of options here. That's why you were better off, frankly, going and getting the guys that you liked that fit into your system, your culture, and just going with sure things. There, there wasn't a lot of margin here. It was not a deep draft. A lot of the guys that you were being told elsewhere the Lions should have gotten had either medicals or character issues or themselves were situational players. And, and really, when you stop and look at it, the Lions got – five really good players with their first five picks that collection of players I think anybody would have been happy with that going into the draft just maybe if they were picked in a different order point four along those lines I do my own big board on my patreon page patreon.com slash Michigan podcast this year I got I've done this for the last this is the fourth year I've done this my uh, top 100 players if I was an NFL GM picking in the top uh, three rounds these are the guys I would have taken this year I got 83 of the top 100 players correct 83 of the top 100 players on my big board were among the top 100 players in the draft. And the Lions ended up drafting five of my top 35 players. I mean, I, guys, I don't, I don't care what positions those guys are at. I don't care what round you drafted them in. If you come out of a draft, Daniel Jeremiah said all five of the Lions' first five picks were in his top 50. If you come out of a draft and your first five picks in the draft are all in maybe the most respected draft guru who himself is a longtime NFL scouts top 50, you did a good job. Throw your positional value out the window if you got five of the top 35 in my case or five of the top 50 in Daniel Jeremiah's case. Then you got positional value. You got five of the top 50 players. Finally, I think general manager Brad Holmes immediately upgraded three positions. Jack Campbell's going to start. Sam Laporta's going to start. I think Jameer Gibbs is going to start. I think Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery as a thunder and lightning is a better combination than Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, who proved that the best ability is availability. He was rarely available. So you come out of a draft immediately upgrading three positions. Two other positions are positioned for long-term upgrades. I don't know how much Brian Branch will play this year with how deep the lines are in the secondary because they invested so heavily there in the offseason in the free agency. But, I mean, he's certainly positioned with, you know, for example, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, the nickel on a one-year deal. He's positioned to take over in a year. And Hendon Hooker is positioned at worst to dramatically upgrade the backup quarterback position. 
again, I don't if if you can come out of any draft saying we upgraded three positions immediately and two other positions we put in a position to be upgraded in the future, that is a very good draft. It it doesn't matter that um uh 69 me Pezhawk, 14 dispenser, uh draft expert on um I watch the NFL draft every five years.net didn't like the picks. It doesn't matter. If you if you can say that, that's a good draft, period. Now let's get to the players themselves. Let's go through these guys one by one. Let's start with Jameer Gibbs. To me, uh, Jameer Gibbs is an Alvin Kamara clone. They even look alike in uniform. Uh, they kind of run alike. Um, you might say, well, Alvin Kamara, wasn't he a third-round pick? Sure. If you had to redraft Alvin Kamara, would you have waited to the third round to draft him? Remember also, Dan Campbell, Aaron Glenn, a lot of our organization comes from the Saints. They know how prevalent and potent this kind of a piece really is. This guy is a true receiver, um, and I mean, I think he's going to be a tremendous addition. I'm a little concerned. He's kind of a Javid Best one-cut runner. I'm not sure how elusive he is. And you see a lot at Alabama, he relies more on his ability uh, to one cut, find the hole, and then he's gone. And now, thankfully, he's going to run behind one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. He's also not going to be a guy that's going to run more than you know 10 or 15 times in a game. You're talking about a player that's going to get about 10 to 12 carries and catch six to eight balls every single game. And he is absolutely electric and a football guy. We're going to hear that theme a lot with these players. These are football guys that fit into what the Lions are building. Jack Campbell, there is no more pure football guy than him. I mean, as soon as I saw that pick, I just thought, well, I mean, that's that's kind of a Chris Spielman pick. Now, here's what I didn't know, though. And this is from someone that's watched Jack Campbell play a lot in college football. But his relative athleticism score or what. Are you also tired of one size fits all weight loss plans? Meet Noom, the personalized solution that meets you where you are. Noom is able to understand your unique needs, from dietary restrictions to medical concerns. Unlike restrictive programs, Noom embraces your lifestyle and choices. Discover a sustainable approach to weight loss, tailored just for you. Honestly, Noom felt like it was made for me. It's not just about what I eat. It's about understanding why. With Noom, I've learned so much about myself and built healthier habits that stick. It's all about progress, not perfection. Say goodbye to restrictive diets and experience the Noom app for yourself with personalized lessons and expert coaching. Noom's psychology and biology-based approach has helped over 5.2 million people achieve their goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. What's known as RAS is off the charts. So going back to 1987, Jack Campbell tested, when you look at the full combination of his physical prowess, he tested in the top 10 of all linebackers going back to 1987. Another way of putting this, if you're a Michigan fan like me, is yes, Jack Campbell looks kind of like the jacked-up, classic, off-the-ball linebacker of the Chris Spielman era. He's more athletic than Devin Bush. The numbers don't lie. They're there. Yeah, I remember the play, too, last year at the end of the Iowa game when Blake Corum just, you know, embarrassed him in the open field. 
newsflash. Blake Corum embarrasses literally everyone in the open field. That's, you know, uh, the I mean, you're talking about a guy that at the very least has upgraded a position we've been we've been lamenting the Lions have not upgraded for many, many years. The worst we're going to say is that Jack Campbell may have to come off the field on third down in some situations and be replaced by another really athletic guy in Malcolm Rodriguez. That's the worst you're going to do. I mean, a top three linebacker group right now of Eric Anzalone and Jack Campbell, they'll be your starters. Rod- Rodrigo, he'll be the third guy to spell them, play about a third of the snaps. Suddenly, I mean, for a team that plays a lot of nickel and a lot of dime, you don't need that many linebackers. That threesome's pretty good. I mean, I'd venture a guess that's one of the best threesomes in the NFL. Uh, and if if Jack Campbell is a guy with that athleticism, you know, there's a there's only a handful of these players. Fred Werner, uh, Bobby Wagner in his prime. We, uh, the reason why off the ball linebackers been devalued in the NFL because it's not it's not easy to find an athlete that can both hold up physically against the run in the box and then play against today's speed and athleticism in space. God doesn't make a lot of guys like that, folks. You know, there's only a few of them in the entire NFL. But if you have one, it really upgrades your defense. Who knows? Maybe Jack Campbell is going to turn out to be one of those guys. Sam Laporta, I love. I mean, I could just tell that when he interviewed with the Lions at the uh, at the Combine that he would be on the short list for tight end. I know some Detroit Lions podcast said, what about Michael Mayer? Sam Laporta's RAS score, again, relative athleticism score, is 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 demonstrably better than Michael Mayer's. And the thing that Laporta gives you, you know, we used to knock TJ Hawkinson for going down at any point of contact. And like Hawkinson, he needs to work a little bit more on his blocking. I think he's a more willing blocker than Hawkinson, frankly. But the one thing Laporta does, yards after the catch. I mean, third and three, third and four, you can run tight end bubble screens, tight end flat passes. I mean, this is what he did. He was the uh, the entire Iowa offense. Uh, a lot of times the last couple of years and was phenomenal in yards after the catch. All the metrics show it, all the uh, uh, analytics show it, that of all the tight ends in this draft, none of them performed better in yards after the catch in their careers than Sam Laporta. And that keeps the chains moving. I mean, games in the NFL are won on third down conversions and red zone conversions into touchdowns. That's the margin for error. It is so slim because there's so much parity in the league. Can you keep the chains moving on third down? Can you get in the red zone and push it into the end zone? That's where games are won. And at the very least, I have no idea if he can score touchdowns. He had crappy quarterback play, and I think he had one touchdown at Iowa last year. I mean, Iowa as a program went almost an entire calendar year without a touchdown pass. That's how bad their quarterback play was. But the one thing we know Sam Laporta can do is keep those chains moving. The next pick the Lions had is my favorite one, and a lot of your favorite ones. Brian Branch, the player I loved. I had him ninth on my big board. I know he's not, you know, the Lions, I think, have only drafted a couple of players since Brad Holmes took over other than linemen who had less than 9.0 RAS scores, and the highest you can score is 10. One of them's Brian Branch, but he still scored an 8. And yeah, his long speed isn't there, but if you look at where he's at in short distance distance explosion numbers, they're very good, but instinctively, he's even better. When you come out of high school and start for Nick Saban in the secondary, and remember, it's not just the factory of Alabama, but Saban, his trade is, is a DB coach. If you start, if you're starting in the secondary for Alabama as a freshman, then the instincts and the smarts and intelligence about the game you bring to the table is there. 
And I love the fact that he didn't get drafted in the first round. He was the only one of the players that didn't that came back for round two. I think that'll give him a chip on his shoulder. I thought he was one of the top five defensive players overall in the entire draft. He just does everything. I think he's going to be loved and a fan favorite. Getting him at 45 in this draft, I thought, was an absolute steal. Let's talk for a minute here about another guy I absolutely love in Hendon Hooker. I mean, here's the bottom line in Hendon Hooker. Well, that's the it's the Art Bryles offense, you know, that they run there at Tennessee uh, with Josh Heupel, and those guys don't translate. NFL teams put him on the whiteboard and asked him to draw up plays from when he was at Virginia Tech. And he hadn't played there in two years. And he just went to the whiteboard and drew up plays based on the Virginia Tech playbook, like it, he was still playing there last week. Here is the bottom line of Hendon Hooker. If he doesn't blow out that knee against South Carolina at the very end of the season, he wins the Heisman. He was the betting favorite at the time. Tennessee's in the college football playoff. They're the fourth team. And he's a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. Period. Period. If he doesn't blow out that knee, that's what happens. Well, Stevie did blow out the knee. That's why he dropped. I mean, if you're a quarterback needy team, right away, you're not getting him this year. He's not a factor for you this year. Then next year is really his rookie year. Uh, because who knows how much of your offense he can even run in practice. So if you're a quarterback needy team, I can tell you why he dropped. I don't think it had anything to do with the playbook or all that other stuff. I think it had everything to do with, I can't draft this guy at quarterback if I'm a quarterback needy team and not have him for two years. Because I, I don't know, I may not be able to do anything with him the first year physically. And then the second year is basically his rookie year. Well, now, you know, if I draft him in the first round. I'm halfway into that four-year contract before I got to figure out if I pick up the fifth-year option. I draft him in the second round. I'm halfway through that four-year contract. The Lions are, the, are in a rare situation where they can wait. And notice his timetable kind of lines up exactly with Jared Goff's. I know that Brad Holmes said they're having talks with Jared Goff about an extension. Don't believe that. I mean, they're talking, I'm sure, like, what do you guys want? Uh, they're not serious. I'd be stunned. Stunned if the Lions signed Jared Goff to an extension anytime before like December of this year. And it would only happen that soon if they were like coasting to the division title, home field advantage in the playoffs, and Goff was having like an, you know, a Jalen Hurts MVP kind of a year. Because there's no need to. It's not like Jared Goff would command $50 million on an open market. You've got him under contract, a very reasonable number for a quarterback, about $25 million for another couple of years. Well, Stevie... Won't want to play on his uh, on, on the final year of his deal without an extension. So, okay. I wouldn't want Kate Upton to turn me down either, but she would. So, so what? I mean, I, I, who cares? It's not it's Kate Upton's call in that case. It's not Jared Goff's call. It's the Lions. Kirk Cousins is playing on the last last year of his deal right now. Lamar Jackson played on the last year of his deal last year. And this happens all the time. So, you know, who cares what he wants? Play better. I mean, I thought he was very good last year, deserved to be in the Pro Bowl, but um, I'm gonna I wanna I'm gonna I'm gonna make him play to the very last down on that court on that contract. Save me as much money under the cap as possible. Plus I want to see what Hendon Hooker could do. Because if I'm not sure that 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 Jared Goff can continue to emulate the outstanding play he had last year, well now I've got a guy that again would have been a top ten pick in this draft. And 
after two years, which is what Goff has left on his deal, he's rehabbed from the knee. He knows my playbook. He's immersed in my culture. And if I start, if I go to Hendon Hooker and turn to him, now I've got two more years with a quarterback on a rookie contract, which is very salary, salary cap friendly, of course. So if I'm the Lions, I'm in no hurry to make that decision at all. And I absolutely want to see what Hendon Hooker can do. And at the very least, all that we did here is upgrade the backup quarterback position. And that's hard to do in today's NFL. There's not a lot of good quarterbacks to begin with. How many times have you seen a team season derailed because the quarterback got hurt and the team around him might have been really good, but in the end, you can't hide your quarterback, man. And uh, I, so I, I love that pick. I love the player, and I love the pick. This next pick was kind of curious to a lot of people. The last pick of the third round before the compensatories came in, Broderick Martin, late bloomer here in this draft. A lot of teams brought him in for visits at the end, including the Lions. Now, I don't know how good the guy is. I saw one Western Kentucky game um, over the last couple of years. Um, Didn't really stand out to me. Brad Holmes, though, has made a living as a scout. Uh, with the college draft and in later rounds, did it with the Rams. We've seen what what he's done for us with guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, a day three pick. Uh, James Houston, a day three pick. So we've seen that here already. Uh, At the very least, Roderick Martin is like 6'3 and 340 pounds. So man, even if he can just go out there about 30 snaps a game and spell Isaiah Bugs, just stand up. (laughs) I mean, just, hey, Roderick, here's what we need you to do. We just need you to run out there and uh, for 30 snaps a game, as a rotation guy and be six foot three and 340 pounds. Can you do that for us? Cool. You're in. That's a tough man to move. I don't know how good he is. I don't know what his technique is like. I I don't have a clue. I haven't broken him down, but at the very least I know it's tough to move dudes that are six foot three and 340 pounds. And if he can just go out there and just stand up and just do that for 30 snaps a game, that's a valuable pick. This pick, there's a lot of interest in, from the scouting community, Colby Sorsdell, the offensive lineman out of William & Mary, uh, consensus FCS All-American last year, gave up one sack the last two seasons. And he was not a guy invited to the combine, but uh, a couple of uh, offensive line gurus, including Brian Baldinger, who played a long time along the offensive line in the NFL, absolutely loved this guy before the Lions picked him. So this kind of has Brad... Holmes finding a guy like James Houston written all over it. More than likely, given his arms and things of that nature, you're probably looking at a guy that they would move to the interior more than tackle. But um, that was a pick that a lot of the the people who do and, – and, and listen, I love Mel Kuyper Jr. Anybody who knows me knows – I mean, I wanted to be Mel Kuyper Jr. when I grew up. But, but those guys are media guys doing scouting. Within the full-time scouting community, there was actually quite a bit of peaked interest when the Lions chose him. So that'll be somebody to keep an eye on when camp opens up later this year. And then the final pick the Lions had was Antoine Green, the receiver out of North Carolina. Uh, I think people were hoping the Lions would pick a receiver beforehand uh, after what happened with JMO. Can't blame you for that. Um, Green is a guy whose dimensions are very – in dimensions – um, and game very similar to Marvin Jones in terms of his size, speed, et cetera. Um, you know, not as sophisticated of a route runner. Hands are a little bit questionable. That's why you get a guy who's 6'2 and runs a 4'4 in the seventh round. I mean, if he was Marvin Jones already right now at 6'2 and running a 4'4, he'd have gone probably in the second round. So, but 
if you're looking for a developmental receiver on the outside and the Lions have some room there with J-Mo gone for the first six games and no DJ Chark, um, if you're looking to develop a guy, I think you could do a lot worse than him in terms of he's played in prolific offenses the last couple of years in North Carolina, uh, played with Sam Howell, played with Drake May, who may be the number one pick in next year's draft, certainly will be a top five or ten pick. So um, he is used to – this isn't a guy that's coming from a you know a, a, an offense that – didn't have a fairly developed passing game um, and, add, and and therefore needs to make an adjustment to the NFL. He's already made those schematic adjustments. So it's really a matter of can Antoine Green catch the football or not enough to earn a roster spot, you know? So if, but in this draft, given how the dearth of depth overall, getting a guy with um, his pr- profile in the seventh round in a position of somewhat need, I guess I would say, you could do a lot worse than that. So, I, I mean, I think overall, I mean, to, to go back to the question we asked at the beginning, is the Lions team better now after the draft than it was going in? I don't even think there's a question about that. They didn't have a lot of needs going in. And they still upgraded three positions immediately. Two other positions are already positioned to be upgraded over the long term. I think it's an outstanding draft, especially given – the lack of depth in the draft overall. If you combine this draft with the free agent class, this is a team absolutely poised to do something that hasn't been done around here since 1993. The Detroit Lions have the longest division title drought in all of American team sports, not just the National Football League, but all of American team sports. And with this roster... If they can get another year out of Jared Goff, anything like what last year was, they might be poised to finally end that 30-year streak this fall. I'm Steve Dace. Thanks for watching Roar Report.